When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got Top Tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more, such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to CogHillGolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And, of course, you already know about all their great golf courses, CogHillGolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me all over social media at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. Folks, we are recording this on the Monday following the U.S. Open Championship where Matt Fitzpatrick, in impressive fashion on a very, very difficult golf course, was able to hold off quite a few names, including Will Zalatoris. He seems like he's always in the mix, and I think I saw a tweet from Kyle Porter earlier today who said, Will Zalatoris is four strokes away from having three majors. An incredible tournament, and Fitzpatrick, not a name that I'm sure many of us had uh, in mind to win the tournament. But I got to tell you, I've not seen a lot of golf uh, played by Matt Fitzpatrick. I just, I haven't. And watching him in the final round, he seemed to be completely in control. His golf swing looks unbelievably sound right now. I mean, he's up there, and I know he did a lot of speed training in the offseason. At least the commentators repeatedly reminded us of that. But that dude's hitting 180 ball speed or higher uh, with his driver, and I, I was just impressed overall, and he's got it under control. He uh, hit all the shots that he needed to hit, including an incredible fairway bunker shot on 18 to about, what was it, 20 feet or so to essentially seal the deal, and then Zalatoris just burning the edge on a putt that would have tied him with Fitzpatrick, and they would have went to a new playoff system uh, for the U.S. Open, the two-hole aggregate, and I was at, as many of you I'm sure were as well, uh, I was at um, my father-in-law's house, actually. They were celebrating uh, Father's Day for him, and it's always funny to watch tournaments uh, like the U.S. Open or any major with fans who, actually, family members who aren't fans of the game. I mean, they just kind of watch it because they know that I like to watch golf, and it was uh, just an exciting time for them, too, to watch the golf down the stretch there. Uh Wonderful tournament. It was a great distraction in a lot of ways, of course, talking about all the other things that the golf world's been talking about. 
uh, whether it be live golf or any other drama like that. It was just a great golf tournament all around a great leaderboard. Rory with another top five finish. Just, just a great, great tournament. I can't say it enough. So on today's episode, we're going to uh, recap a little bit of the U.S. Open, but also uh, some of the other trending topics you want to say that are going on in the golf world. Uh, And I also want to give just a quick update. I actually reread, I think I tweeted this out not too long ago, I reread Ben Hogan's Five Lessons. And I've been toying with the idea of doing a chapter-by-chapter breakdown on the podcast. And if you guys think that would be worthwhile and you'd like to listen to that, uh, let me know at Golf Unfiltered on social, or you can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. And one of the things in the book that, you know, if you've not read the book, first of all, it's very small. I mean, it's only maybe a couple hundred pages, if that. And it's always great to just read and, and look at the illustrations in Ben Hogan's book as a refresher on the fundamentals of the game. And I always learn something new or at the very least remember something I should remember every time I step onto a golf course whenever I pick up this book. I've probably read this, I don't know, I've got it in my hands here, I've, I've probably read it 10 times at least and I, I always go back to it, whether it be to talk about or to read about the, the golf grip, whether it be about the backswing, you know, and Ben Hogan breaks down the golf swing into two parts before you know, part one being to the top of the swing and part two through impact could be even stance or posture, anything like that. There's always something in here that, like I said, is a good refresher. What's interesting is I only go back to the book when I'm struggling with something. I mean, I guess why wouldn't you? If you unless you're just reading it for the first time, just for the historical perspective of Ben Hogan's writings. But I've been struggling a little bit off the tee and one of the things that always fascinates me about this book is the fact that we as golfers will go and hit mountains of range balls on the range. And maybe we go out and we play a few practice rounds and maybe we just play, you know, in a money game like I do uh, with my friends on the weekend, or perhaps you're even a competitive golfer. We go and we try to find the secret in the golf swing. But then I pick up this book and I remember that Ben Hogan spent 19 pages on the grip alone. And you're probably listening to this and you're thinking, look, I've got the golf golf grip down. I've been playing for a long time. Yeah, I've been playing for 26 years. And I reread chapter one. It's the first chapter of the book, the first lesson, quote unquote, that Ben Hogan offers in his five lessons. And I found myself realizing, you know what? I've been gripping this club wrong all along, or at the very least since the last time I picked up the book. And of course, in today's day and age, you just go onto YouTube and as a good supplemental material, you go and you watch some other videos on people translating Ben Hogan's lessons into video form. And so I'm sitting there, just imagine I've got the book in my hands, I'm watching YouTube, I've got a golf club next to me, and I'm just, you know, gripping the golf club in the way that's both illustrated and explained in the book. And I'm realizing There is still so much to learn, and that's why this game is so great, but you all know this. There's still so much to learn about this game, whether it be how you swing the club, how you hold the club, that it takes a lifetime to learn. And I know that that's something that you've already probably heard before, but I just had that moment where, wow, 
This is something that I'm going to continue to try to improve, even down to how I put my hands on the golf club for the rest of my life. And so, uh, once again, you know, I can go into deeper. I mean, again, it's not a big book, but I can go into deeper uh, detail on my impressions of Ben Hogan's Five Lessons. And I'm just an average guy who plays the game. You guys know who I am. Let me know if you think that's of any interest. Hit me up on social at Golf Unfiltered, or you can just send me your thoughts on Ben Hogan's Five Lessons, because I would love to learn. A friend of mine, Crystal Garcia, if you've not heard of him, he's got a fantastic web, uh, YouTube and website, uh, My Swing Evolution. Uh, Christo actually played Ben Hogan in a Golf Channel special uh, not too long ago about Hogan. Uh, he swings just like him, and he's been working on a few things over the last few years uh, completely around Ben Hogan's philosophy and the way that he swings the golf club. I'm going to have to reach out to Christo. He's been on the show a couple times in the past. It's been a while, though. Um, My Swing Evolution's a great YouTube channel to go check out as well. Okay, anyway, back to the U.S. Open. So, another major's in the books. Great golf. We already talked about all that. Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick, congratulations on your victory. Few things happened. Want to touch on them. First, leading up to the tournament, of course, there was all the buzz around Live Golf. This is the first major that took place after, kind of like in the middle of the Live Golf era now. A lot of speculation on who's still going to the Saudi Arabia-backed Live Golf. A lot of speculation on who's going to stay with the PGA Tour. I think it's very clear that Rory McIlroy is pretty much putting the PGA Tour on his shoulders. He won last week at uh, the RBC, and he almost went back-to-back in terms of tournament weeks. Uh, John Rahm is another name. Almost went back-to-back with U.S. Open titles. He played very strong the first three days and then fell off a little bit on Sunday, but he also has committed to the PGA Tour. And then there's Justin Thomas, and there's a number of others who have done the same. And they've been quite outspoken during these press conferences regarding the PGA Tour as well as Live Golf. Perhaps one of the more interesting press conferences was that of USGA Commissioner Mike Wan, who, when asked if he thought or could foresee that live golfers, those who play on the live golf tour, might have a more difficult time qualifying for future U.S. Opens, his response was simply yes. Now, again, recording this on the Monday after, haven't heard any news as of right now, but we can all anticipate, or we are anticipating, additional news to come out regarding either further suspensions or new names that are going to live golf. One of those names, as of this morning, Abraham Anser, from formerly the PGA Tour, is now going to live golf, and this has been confirmed by multiple sources. He's not going to be the last. I've also heard things about Victor Hovland. It's kind of gone back and forth. Nothing confirmed there, just a name that I've heard. Tony Finau being a second name that I've heard. The problem with all of this, whether it's confirmed or not, is that there's still all of this talk about things other than golf. Other than the play on the course. Now, not to be too hypocritical, we do that a lot. Whether it be Brooks and Bryson, whether it be Tiger in a car accident or anything else, there's a lot to talk about regarding golf that isn't necessarily what's happening on a golf course. And leading up to the tournament, of course, there's a lot of media buzz about the U.S. Open, the national championship here in America. And even non-golf media 
certainly sports media, but non-golf media like Stephen A. Smith on First Take talking about his opinion of live golf and, well, I thought America was a capitalist country and whatever else he said, probably just to get people like me to talk about what he said. And somewhere along the road, the message on why people are upset that golfers are jumping to live golf, somewhere that message got skewed. And look, nobody asked for my opinion on this, but when has that ever stopped me before? It's not about golfers making as much money as they can. That's true. They should do that. I'm going on record to saying, yes, that's what golfers should do. That's what anyone with any job should do. It's where the money comes from. That's the issue. And anybody arguing anything different than that, they're missing, they're completely missing the point. Now, the only other thing I will say is what excuses the golfers are making for making the jump to live. That's just as annoying and, quite frankly, downright disgusting in many instances. Just call it what it is. You want to make more money. You don't think you can make as much money on the PGA Tour. Or you don't think you can win anymore. And you're using this as your retirement plan, as I believe John Rahm mentioned. Then just say it. It doesn't change the fact of where the money's coming from. But... Just be honest with us. I think the whole charade about all of this is what's the most annoying about it, and I'm sure that there are people listening to this saying, God, why are we still talking about this, Adam? You said you weren't going to talk about it anymore. Well, it's going to continue on, and I imagine we're going to hear more things, as I said earlier, about tournaments or the PGA Tour taking other steps to protect their turf. Because this is what this has become. It's a turf war. It, none of this is good for the game. No matter what anyone says on either side of the coin, none of this is good for golf. At Cog Hill, there's a golf tour, the underrated golf tour, that is going on. Steph Curry's behind it, his team, underprivileged kids, uh, kids from all walks of life, all ethnicities are going to be participating in it. First stop is at Cog Hill. That's growing the game. It's not already rich golfers getting a millions of more dollars. That's doing nothing for the game of golf. Don't get it twisted. So where does this leave things now with watching golf? For the layperson, and I mentioned that I was at my, my in-laws, my father-in-laws, watching golf, watching the U.S. Open, and they don't care. They don't know about what's going on with the competing tours and and I'm too close to this stuff. You you're listening to this and you're probably a golf nerd like me and so you're too close to these stories of the competing tours and so it's almost at least in my mind it's kind of difficult to enjoy watching the game right now. And there's always been this little, you know, even before this year I you know, I didn't watch too many golf tournaments on TV anymore. First of all, the coverage isn't great. You're inundated by commercials. It's the same with any sporting event, really. Even the playing through things that they do sometimes, kind of the split screen on golf tournaments, it's not as great as they want it to be. But I don't think any of that is reason enough to have this competing tour come. I I just, it continues to be 
testament to how unenjoyable watching professional golf is right now on the television screen or on YouTube in the case of Liv. Going to a golf tournament, something I haven't done since COVID, and I would now, of course, that is much more fun. And so if they can boost the fan experience, which is what Liv is trying to do, I will give them credit for that. They are trying to make the event of a golf tournament with professional golfers more of a multi-layered, multimedia spectacle than just showing up, trying to find your place at, uh, you know, on the golf course, maybe watch a few shots here and there, maybe follow a golf group. They want it to be a bigger spectacle. I think there's a lot. There's a lot to be learned from that approach. And if I were the PGA Tour, one, I would get rid of Jay Monahan, but two, I'd be taking notes. There's nothing in the format uh, besides that shotgun start thing, which I'm not sold on that idea yet. But there's nothing that the PGA Tour couldn't duplicate with the tournaments that they have now. Of course, the shotgun start, as much as I don't like it, opens the door for many other avenues to go when producing a golf tournament. Of course, you're going to need, as Whit Watson told us, on the uh, podcast a couple episodes ago, you're going to need a massive camera crew. But it's possible. And so the U.S. Open concludes. The conversation shifts back to regular tournaments. Live Golf is going to pop back up here in 10 days at the time of this recording when they go to Portland. And both sides are going to continue to take notes. They're going to continue to take shots at one another as well. And unfortunately, as much as we want to ignore it, folks, it's going to be all over social media. That's why I can't not continue to to talk about it. It's going to be everywhere. So where does this leave golf as a whole? Well, there's always going to be people that are going to watch this stuff. The first couple rounds of Live Golf, there were, what, maybe 90,000, 100,000, I forget the exact number, of people who were on YouTube at any given moment. That's not bad. I believe it was the shotgun start they had mentioned that for a European tour event, that is comparable numbers to one of their events. Perhaps that's where things are going to go because we're hearing more about the DP World Tour who is entertaining partnership ideas with Live Golf. PGA Tour, are you going to do anything? Anything at all besides just saying, you know what, these players are suspended. I don't think that's the hammer that everyone thought came down, by the way. That's not as aggressive of a move. And, you know, I'm I'm a little over my skis here. I don't know what legalities are involved. I don't know what the PGA Tour can legally do. And perhaps we're going to find out as all of this is surely going to a court battle at some point. But... The DP World Tour is already talking about partnership. They've already come out and said that they're not going to suspend the players who choose to play in Live Golf, their players that play on the European side. So is this a matter of there was a disruptor in Live Golf that has come on board, even for a short amount of time, before 
one of the larger entities, not financially larger, but one of the more well-established entities like the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour partner together? Is that what it took? Is this a short-term investment by the Saudis, headed by Greg Norman as the face of the tour, to disrupt golf enough? Or am I giving them way too much credit? Because at the end of the day, this is still sports washing. Make no mistake. Think nothing differently. This is sports washing. Saudi Arabia is trying to make us think better of them by throwing money at already rich golfers at a game that really just a, let's be honest, a very select demographic or two watch. There are no coincidences here, folks. So, as again, as much as this is going to be annoying, it's going to continue to be on social media, it's going to be continued on the golf channel, anywhere we watch golf. And then of course we're going to tune in on YouTube, Facebook, wherever it's going to be. And at some point live golf is going to get a television deal. It'll be more widely accessible to everybody. It's not going away. Pro golf as we know it is changed. And quite frankly, being the pessimist that I am, I think the PGA tour is in real trouble. I can foresee in the not-so-distant future the PGA Tour folding. This is what happens unless partnerships occur and allegiances are built. That's the only way that they can survive. So as much as we enjoyed watching the U.S. Open, as much as I can sit here and continue to work on my game by reading books like Ben Hogan's Five Lessons and there are you know a mountain of other books that we all know about, There's still this undertone of why did I start, not to make this about me, it's not about me, but just as an example, why did I start Golf Unfiltered? It's because I watched golf on television that allowed me to have some interest in actually learning to play the game myself and down the road, start a website and turn on a microphone and talk to all of you. Everything's connected. And even thinking about my own experience with the game that grew one person, me, into whatever this is now. This person who's really engaged with the game, who likes many aspects of it, who understands the business of it, and continues to learn more about it. That is growth within the game. And maybe we'll do another episode here in the future because this whole grow the game definition or phrase or understanding differs from one person to the next. What is it that we're actually trying to grow? Are we trying to get more people on the golf course playing the game? Are we trying to get companies to sell more things so that they experience larger profits? Or is it, in the case of Live Golf, trying to change an entire outlook of a country, of a kingdom, of history in their case? Whoever benefits from growing the game that probably differs depending on who you ask. Make no mistake about that. I'm not sure that we would all agree, and even all of you listening to this, I'm not sure we would agree on what growing the game should mean. So, anyway, I'll leave it at there. Uh, Went a little deep there towards the end. Sorry about that, folks, but I do appreciate, as always, you all tuning in, 
letting me know your thoughts on anything that I mentioned. Uh, go out to YouTube and you can watch some of the select interviews of people that uh, have been on the show. We do have a YouTube channel, so it's just Golf Unfiltered. Go out and subscribe. I'd really appreciate that. It's still little, little low numbers right now, which is fine. We're just starting out really uh, on YouTube, but I would appreciate it if you go out that way. If you like this podcast, I should do this more often. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it. Ha- tell a friend about it. Have them subscribe to it. It really helps out because then it just spreads the message a little bit more. And, and I like to learn from all of you, too. A lot of you reach out to me via email. I encourage you to do that, adam at golfunfiltered.com. You give me ideas for future episodes, other topics to talk about, and guests to bring on the show. So all that being said, I hope you all take care of yourselves. Get out and play some great golf this summer if you haven't already. We will be back again next week.